Hello and welcome to Over the Edge. Today's episode features an interview between Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios, and Matt Trafiro, Chief Marketing Officer at Vapor.io. Matt leads Vapor.io's global marketing. He co-founded the State of the Edge project at the Linux Foundation and is considered one of the world's foremost experts on edge computing and the emerging open grid. As host of this podcast, Matt searches continuously for understanding and insights on what moves markets and what's impacting the future of connectivity. In this episode, Ian and Matt discuss the future and evolution of edge computing, its scope and definition, and what that means for this podcast. They go over how edge computing is powering the evolution of the internet grid and what's driving change in the industry. Ian and Matt also delve into the requirements of real-time responsiveness, speed, and bandwidth to accomplish everything from complex computations to simply running a home appliance. They talk about how the lines between what is traditionally considered the edge and the internet are starting to blur. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsors. Over the Edge is brought to you by Dell Technologies to unlock the potential of your infrastructure with edge solutions. From hardware and software to data and operations across your entire multi-cloud environment, we're here to help you simplify your edge so you can generate more value. Learn more by visiting dell.com for more information or click on the link in the show notes. And now, please enjoy this interview between Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios, and Matt Trafiro, Chief Marketing Officer at Vapor.io. Welcome to Over the Edge. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios, and I have our wonderful host with me here today. Matt, how are you? I'm doing terrific, Ian. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm excited. We got season two ready for the listeners, and we wanted to talk about that a little bit, talk about what's changed in the industry, what we're going to expect in season two, and all things Edge as always. So first off, Matt, why the heck has it taken so long to get season two going? Well, we were waiting for the right sponsor, which is Dell. But no, honestly, the industry's gone through quite a bit of, of changes. And I really struggled with edge computing as a concept because we had I'd interviewed most of the people that I thought had anything to say about edge. But also, the more time I spent in this world, the more I realized that the edge is kind of an artificial construction that actually most people who consume the services that edge computing will deliver don't care where the compute is. They just care that it works. Interesting. And so edge is changing. The future of the internet is changing constantly. I was just watching the Atom Project on Netflix. Boy, things get crazy in 2050, let me tell you. We got time travel, we got space flights. But in the the interim, the internet is changing. What's driving the changes in the industry? Well, there's a lot of things. I think that at a very high level, you've got companies like Meta, aka Facebook, moving significantly in a new direction, looking to create the metaverse. And whether you believe you actually want to sit in a 3D virtual world and interact with your coworkers, Mark shows in video or not, the metaverse is going to happen. It may take many different forms. I mean, my my kids play Fortnite. That's a metaverse in some ways. It is a artificial world that you step into with your computer. And we have historically made those experiences more and more realistic. And as we improve the technology for virtual reality and augmented reality, 
and we reduce the weight of those headsets and the need to have a tether and all of these things, it may in fact become a much more compelling experience than it is today, which already is a fairly compelling experience. One of the challenges in delivering all these new experiences, though, is that the internet can't do it. It's not fast enough. It's not close enough. You start dealing with the speed of light as a problem, among others. And the infrastructure and the mechanisms to deliver these new kinds of services, and I'm not just talking about virtual reality, but I mean digital twins to improve how a city operates, how a factory operates, artificial intelligence for crowd control and security and all of these capabilities really require real-time responsiveness. And the internet is really good at getting a signal from one part of the world to the other part of the world, but it's a best effort. And for humans consuming things, for most things we do, best effort's fine. If this call has a little bit of an audio delay or anything like that, we as humans, it's not that big of a blip. I mean, if my LinkedIn takes another quarter of a second to refresh, it doesn't affect my day. But machines operate at such a different scale, the scale of nanoseconds and microseconds and milliseconds. And the internet is going to become largely machines talking to machines. And we need a new infrastructure for that. And for a long time, we called that edge computing. But, I mean, you can ask people, where's the edge? In fact, that was what we did for the first, like, five or six episodes. We said, you know, where's the edge? But I, I actually started asking a different question, which is, what's the difference between edge and on-premises? And nobody has a good answer. And the real answer is nobody cares. Nobody cares where the computer is. You just want it to work. And so what's, what's much more important is that we build the infrastructure and the software systems that allow us to place workloads that are, whether it's driving a factory or autonomous car or a streetlight or AI inferencing for a video camera or a game for my 12-year-old, you want software systems that place these workloads at the right place automatically and run them autonomously at machine speeds, which we've never been able to do before. I beg to differ that the, any latency in this podcast would not dramatically negatively affect me. No, it's, I mean, it's a great point. The end user never cares. They just want it to work. We're all end users. I mean, that's what it is. And I mean, see, so you think about like, what is a service that's delivered over the internet? Well, it's a computer that's producing some output based on some input. That's all it is, right? And the difference between having a computer on my desk that I'm interacting with, you know, I'm playing with a video game that's not connected to the internet and just playing, is that all that input-output is happening between me and the machine that's under my desk. The internet is just taking that machine and putting it somewhere else. I mean, I'm oversimplifying it, but that's essentially what it is. But now we've got, I mean, the cloud is millions and millions of machines that are all attached to the internet. And theoretically, you could take a workload, whether it's a game or an AI inferencing or a financial transaction, and run it anywhere. So how do you figure out where do you run it? So one thing might be performance, which is really what drove edge computing for so long was latency. So I need to run this workload close enough to the end user so that it minimizes the number of network hops, the reduces the amount of congestion, and frankly, escapes the speed of light because it's closer because it, at nanosecond and microsecond scale, distance matters, the speed of light actually matters. 
I figure out just place it close enough so that works. But when you're actually trying to place workloads, you really want to consider a lot more than just latency and speed. Let me give you some examples. So what about carbon footprint? What if I want to run my workloads so that it minimizes its, its carbon impact or cost? I want to run my workloads so they minimize cost. Or I want to work, run my workloads to maximize resilience. I mean, and you can come up with an infinite number of potential possibilities. And so in this future, we're starting to think of this next generation internet as a grid, which is sort of funny because if you look at the history of cloud computing, Sun Microsystems, which now is just a, a brand that Oracle owns, but Sun Microsystems was the, I mean, they, they came up with the phrase, the network is the computer. They Sun was the foundation of the internet in many, the modern internet in many, 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 many ways. And they created, before Amazon Web Services was even a gleam in Mr. Bezos's eye, they created this concept of cloud computing. But they called it the grid. It was called SunGrid. And the reason they called it the grid is because they said, look, compute should be like electricity. Like, just like you have all these devices in your house and you plug them into the wall and they work we should be able to connect to compute in the internet and draw upon as much power as we need when we need it. And then when we don't need it, it goes to somebody else. And so in some ways, when we talk about this idea of a grid, we're paying homage to the early pioneers at Sun Microsystems. But also, this again, this idea that as a user, you're, you're not thinking about where the electricity is coming from or how it's getting to you or whether it's the right voltage or how many hertz it's cycling uh, between positive and negative. You're not thinking about any of that because that's not important. You just As long as your dishwasher or your blender or your coffee machine works, that's what you care about. And all this other very, very complex stuff happens on the back end in order for that to be possible. But... You know, you don't care about it. You just as long as it works, and that's how the internet should be. That's at least that's the direction I see it going. And has you know, edge computing is a part of that, but it's so much more interesting and complex than that. So you are Doctor Edge. Are you going to be Doctor Grid now? <laughs> I mean, you know, I actually, I actually changed my Twitter handle for like a, a hot minute to, to Doctor Grid, and then I just said, oh, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. Okay. I, I may just retire that account altogether because I have like. 15,000 followers from an earlier life that, that have nothing to do with the future of the internet and just start a new account. But, but are I, I, you, so, in fact, over the edge? Are I, I am you over the over, edge. Yeah, you, so now, okay. I, I'm glad we picked that name for the podcast because I think we can do this repositioning of it that I want to do to take it in this direction of the future of the internet without changing the name. There you go. It's very appropriate. And also, like, I mean, I think there's a lot of power in terms and knowing that all of the work that you've done on State of the Edge and how much work everybody and vendors and people have done on Edge, it's like the Edge, it's not, like you said, it doesn't go away. It's more just that we need to up-level the conversation to be inclusive of this idea that, like, it's probably changed and evolved in a way that we need to talk about it slightly differently than, than we used to even a year ago, which is crazy, but that's how fast things go. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I like the power metaphor because you can go back into history, but if you go back and look at like these old Sears catalogs, back when Sears was a company that 
had some presence as a brand and sent out these printed catalogs. And, and electricity was relatively new for, at the time, modern American homes. You bought a motor, right? <laughs> That's what you bought. You bought a motor. And then you bought all these attachments to the motor. You bought a washing machine attachment, a dishwasher attachment, and all these things. You had a motor. And now when we buy appliances in our house, like many of them have motors, but we don't, I don't think about it. I don't think about the motor. And most of them have computers. I mean, I actually had a coffee grinder, really, really high-end, expensive. I paid way too much for this coffee grinder. And look, mind you, I work in technology, right? And it's, it started misbehaving. It was kind of not really grinding. So I sent a video into customer support, and I said, help me with this. And they said, well, look, get cereal and all this will help you replace it. But, but before we do that, you did try unplugging it for 10 seconds and plugging it back in. I'm like, no, I actually didn't. So... You know, it turns out my coffee grinder has a computer in it. And yes, I unplugged it and plugged it back in, and it works perfectly. <laughs> and I think so much in our world, we're constantly creating these new, there's a, a phrase, and I, don't, I wish I knew who came up with it, but like all problems in computer science are solved by new levels of abstraction. And I think that's really true. As we solve problems, we push them down lower. Like we have motors that work reliably for years. So we don't think about them anymore. Now we're building these the smarts on top of the motor that like sense the dirt that's in the water and add the right amount of detergent to perfectly clean your clothes. And pretty soon there'll be robots folding our clothes. And those will all have motors in them, but we won't think of it as a bunch of motors. We'll think of it as a clothes folding robot that just works. I think Sears went downhill after Roebuck left, to be fully honest, but... But it, no, it's crazy that we got to plug in. You're right. It's like we need a hard reset for things that are physical now. And it speaks to how important and how complex all this stuff is. So obviously you co-founded State of the Edge. Yeah. And you've been involved in, in Edge for a long time. As we mentioned, this podcast is changing. So what is this podcast going to be? Who are we going to be talking to? Obviously still leaders in Edge, but who else? They say that most books get written because the person can't find the book they want to read, so they write it themselves. Yeah. And I can't find the podcast that I want to listen to on this topic, which is really, really in-depth thinking on thought leadership on the future of the internet, but brought to a wide audience, an audience of intelligent, you know, it's kind of like the scientific American of the internet. Sure. So you bring the experts in, but you don't expect them to talk directly to other experts, in, or at least not to people that have the same level of expertise. And my job as an interviewer is to draw out of them the explanations and insights in a way that, that Ian Faison can understand and make sense of and learn from without having to go get an engineering degree. And, it's, and, there, and there's so much that's interesting. You know, just one of the, the I think guests... engineering minor, thank you, Matt. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> systems engineering. <laughs> I engineer systems. Oh, oh boy, do I have egg on my face? Well, I have not seen your engineering chops yet, so so I apologize. I'm sure they're there, but but no, <laughs> they're <laughs> long gone. They're long gone. They're long gone. They're, yeah, well, they're I, so long gone that I. <laughs> I mean, I used to program computers. I can't program my way out of out of a paper bag, but I really enjoy learning about technology, but not at a superficial level. I, I like learning about, like, I actually want to know how it works. I don't want to be able to repair my Tesla, but I do want to know how it works. I'm interested in it because it, 
it fascinates me. And one of the things I've learned in my career is that there's a lot of insights that come from one field that when applied to another field, advance the the technology. So biology applied to engineering or engineering applied to biology or neuroscience applied to chemistry. It's really interesting how different fields create different metaphors and ways of thinking that when applied in a new field, create insight. And I want to create that opportunity for more people to understand how all these pieces might fit together, to be excited about it, but also just to elevate the understanding of how the world works. What's the Open Grid Alliance? So the Open Grid Alliance is a, it's kind of like state of the edge 2.0 in some ways, although it's not a research organization. The Open Grid Alliance was founded by six companies that the two lead founders were the company that I work for, which is Vapor.io and VMware, who most people know as the server and data center and network, everything virtualization company. And we had a vision of all these things that we talked about just a few minutes ago, which is creating a set of mechanisms and bringing all the parties together necessary. I mean, the, the group's now over 36 members, includes heavy hitters like Intel and ARM. And, you know, you kind of go down the list and it's, it's, it's a really, really august group of, of founding companies. And the idea is to re-architect the internet, not change the internet. I mean, not, not reinvent the internet, so to speak, but to, to augment it, to bring these new capabilities to the internet. So literally a developer could build a workload and hand it off with all of its constraints. This needs to run in this geography, with this level of security, with this carbon footprint, at this cost or less, and this kind of latency and all these things. And the grid, just like your electric grid, just magically makes it happen. And that's going to take a lot of collaboration and a lot of really, really hard engineering and AI and lots of data to analyze with that AI. But in order to bring about this future world, we need something like that. We need to be able to move workloads around globally in real time, optimized for whatever use is necessary for a whole lot of reasons, but just kind of it's reached its peak given its current architecture. And so we need to re-architect it. And that's the, the Open Good Alliance is an organization that's trying to spearhead some of that collaborative work in order to do that. So for guests for season two, we're not going to tease out any here today, but there's a lot coming, a lot of heavy hitters coming. We've been in the lab. We've been producing. You've been talking to people. We have some great stuff coming. Any any teasers in terms of the type of conversations that we're going to be having here in season two? Yeah, I think I think one of the most interesting interviews is is I get into into what's called Web three, and it intersects the Bitcoin crypto distributed ledger world. But the basic idea is again this idea that you can run workloads anywhere which also means that anybody who owns a computer, whether it's your Xbox or a phone or your desktop machine or a bunch of servers in a building, should be able to offer that for, for sale or rent. And there should be a way to transact that. There's a company called Helium, for instance. And uh, maybe we'll try to get their CEO on the show. But Helium is, you and I as a consumer, buy a $1,000 box and we stick it in our home. We plug it in and we're responsible for that box. We have to upgrade its software and do that. And what that box does is it creates a, a part of a wireless network. And so it emanates from our house. And when other people use 
our wireless network that we're creating, right? You get a little bit of money. You, you generate, a, I guess, a helium coin or, or something of that sort. And so now there's this marketplace of fungible assets, right, that, that never existed before. I mean, there's nothing like, quite like this. And I'm not entirely sure that it's really going to work at scale, but it's fascinating. I mean, even the environmental opportunities are tremendous because 80% of the computers in the world are idle most of the time. And so why not use that excess capacity? Yeah, that's wild. Rather than building new computers and sticking them out there and all the toxic chemicals go into them, why not just get better utilization? We could easily quadruple or even quintuple the compute power of the world just by using all the machines that are out there more efficiently. And I think creating a a liquid marketplace for workloads to run on on computers and networks that other people help pay for is is a pretty interesting way to do that. And all of those computers are in use when the new season of the of the Bachelor drops. Matt, I'm super excited. I love this show. It's really cool. Like you said, building something that isn't isn't out there right now. I know our listeners love it as well because we have had uh, a bunch of people along for the ride for season one and hopefully we'll return for season two. A lot of cool stuff in the works here. Special shout out to Dell for being awesome and being our, our sponsor for this season. We'll be sharing a bunch more about Dell and, and the cool work that they're doing in Edge and, and a bunch more to come there. But shout out to them. They're awesome. We couldn't do it without them. And for our listeners, if you have recommendations for who you want to hear on the show, if you want to get your company involved in the show in some way, if you just want to hear Matt's thoughts, you can always ping us uh, at team at caspianstudios.com, or you can hit up Matt in, in many different places where he's on the internet, and we'll link that up in the show notes. LinkedIn, Twitter, happy to talk to you. Yes, and I, I thank you, Ian. I think that's that's one of the things I would like to do with season two is to expand beyond the network that I have easy access to. I mean, I'd love to talk to the the professor in Germany that's working on something really amazing for the future of the internet or some startup entrepreneur in, in his or her 20s that's doing something interesting. And, and I don't necessarily have access to those. So I really am looking to our listenership to help fill out season two. And that'd be terrific. Well, that's it. That's all we got for today. Matt, any final thoughts here before I turn it over to you for the rest of the episodes? I, I like to just do my moonlighting on uh, on episode one. And, uh, <laughs> well, I, really, and, I really like that we do this. And we have to have a season three and we have to do this again where you just you you say, OK, what, what changed last time? How, did this grid thing actually work over out? Over the or, grid. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> over yeah. the grid. Yes, we'll have to rename it to over the grid. No, I don't have anything else. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to, to running our first episodes and recording the rest of the season. That's super exciting. Awesome. And thanks to everyone who listens. We really appreciate it. It. And like I said, if you have any questions or ideas or anything, just send it to team at caspianstudios.com and we'll, we'll filter it to the right place. That does it for this episode of Over the Edge. If you're enjoying the show, please leave a rating and a review and tell a friend. Over the Edge is made possible through the generous sponsorship of our partners at Dell Technologies. Simplify your edge so you can generate more value. Learn more by visiting dell.com. <laughs>